the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome. I'm Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries. Our very special guest is an active missionary, so we're going to use an alias for her today. Welcome Lauren from the organization Teach Beyond. And their website is teachbeyond.org. So how are you today, Lauren? <laughs> oh, thank you, Mike. I'm good. I am so, so excited to be here. It's such a such an honor. I'm so pleased that you invited me. Uh, truly my pleasure. And for those of us who might be less familiar with the organization Teach Beyond, is that a nonprofit? Yes, it is. It's it's completely nonprofit. Started in Canada about fifty years ago, and um, initially it was a singing group, and they did they did um, concerts, especially in Germany that that had long lasting eternal implications. Then, after a few years, the the um, ministry of having open air gospel concerts that that wasn't so effective anymore. And they realized education was a huge draw. So it, first in Canada, then in the States, they, they invited people to help them begin um, schools internationally that are either Christian-based or schools that are for um, missionary kids, children of missionaries who were, cur- who were then serving around the world. So part of Teach Beyond's main ministry is finding people who are Christian educators and helping place them in schools that really need educators, but people who who follow God as they live in another country and, and work with those kids. So initially, Lauren, Teach Beyond had a more musical focus that has since gone more educational. Correct. So do you have... Gifts, talents, or interests in music and or education? <laughs> yes, but no. That is, I mean, yes yes, and no, Mike. Um, I have been an educator for years, but I'm so, so, so excited because I've also been um, working um, with people, mentoring people. Uh, uh, I've been a counselor for years, and everywhere I lived, Besides teaching full-time, being a full-time personnel within within embassy schools, within um, non-governmental organization schools. And so now I'm so excited because Teach Beyond also, I maybe you don't know, Mike, maybe the audience doesn't realize that there are so many missionaries out there in the world working hard. They gave up everything in their home country to go and serve others, but who who of us, what one of us doesn't have struggles, issues that, that are going on, things that, that get in the way of doing normal daily life. And and so we all need we all need um, a, a friend who can listen, but sometimes we all need more. We need a, a counselor, we need somebody who's a professional. So it's the same with missionaries as well, working to serve others and help others. They also need this mental, the psychological support, spiritual support, and sometimes they need some one-on-one counseling. My job is coordinating an entire region of the world for all the Teach Beyond personnel, locals and foreigners, helping them get the assistance they need whenever there's an emotional issue, whenever there's a learning disability that needs some assistance, whenever there's a problem between the husband and the wife. That's my job. 
I help refer people to the resources, the, the many, many resources that Teach Beyond has, and I help and then sometimes when there's a, a really difficult situation, a situation of trauma, then I go in and help help assess and figure out the appropriate next steps. So am I correct, Lauren, in my conclusion that Teach Beyond is actually doing missions work to the missionaries who are predominantly away from their home field and have the disadvantage of being somewhat isolated? It's maybe not missionary work. I mean, they're doing missions. They're there as educators. They're there uh, working on the different projects that that the Lord has encouraged them to, to create. But just call me call me in charge of coordinating a support role that keeps those missionaries active and able to do their job well. I'm I'm kind of like scaffolding. You know, when you're building a new building, you need a real some real good scaffolding to keep those workers up and do pounding the things onto the wall. Well, that's for sure. So, over your years of experience, do you find that there are common pitfalls that missionaries and missionary families go through? Certain things that might be more preventable if it's brought to light before they relocate? Like, is there a, a top three or a top five list of things? I think the biggest is is the same thing, whether it's a missionary international or whether it's a, it's a Christian right next door living beside me here in the Willamette Valley is that somehow when you become a Christian, life gets easier. And if I'm, if I'm going to go to be a missionary and far off Timbuktu, then gosh, things are going to be great because I'm going as God's worker. And, and instead, it's just raising, flying a huge flag that, that's like, bring on the problems. And so those missionaries are out there. You know, and, and I think we all fight. There, There is an enemy. The Bible talks about that there is an enemy of our souls. He doesn't want people to become Christians. He doesn't want people to be willing to commit to life with Christ. It's it's a big commit. It's a big, huge step. And then once, you're, once you do that, once you do commit, then the enemy doesn't want to see you let go of issues and get work through problems. And so that God can use you for his glory and his honor. Instead, I mean, how many Christians do you know, Mike, that make you kind of embarrassed to use the name Christian? And it's in the same way when missionaries go international. they It just is harder on all those issues and all those difficulties that were kind of, they were able to put aside or kind of ignore and not give attention to out on the mission field where it's tough you're trying to learn a new language they don't have grocery stores or maybe grocery stores are just the local market or or there are grocery stores but you can't read any of the packages and you have no clue what's inside the package just day-to-day life is so challenging and so to be reminded and reminded again that no matter where we are we that's the if the, if we are listening, that's the place we should be for Christ. That's the place that we should be living for Him. And, but it's only with His help that that you, Mike, or I, or any other believer can make it through the day. It's only with Jesus Christ, and without Him, sheesh, gosh, what a mess! And so, and it's just it's a hundredfold worse when it's somebody who's working out and out for the Lord, whether that's here in Salem or in Portland, the Willamette Valley, or in a faraway country. The more you're all in for Christ, the more that your life is being lived for his honor and his glory, not my own, not my recognition, but for Christ's, then the more the enemy wants to hop up and down and cause as many problems as he can. It's funny you mentioned, Lauren, that 
some people, when they come to know Christ, they just think their life is going to be all roses and hunky-dory and problem-free, where it's actually pretty much the polar opposite. Because if you're walking a lukewarm Christianity, you're not really a threat. Okay, whereas if you're really seeking God, His calling, and trying to be obedient to it, that's when the attacks come. And not necessarily flesh and blood as much as powers and principalities and miscommunications and it's crazy things. Spiritual battles certainly do exist today. So are there certain areas that you've seen affect people in the field that really make you want to just reach out to them? Yes, Mike. <laughs> I'm my mind has been going through a hundred stories and trying to figure out how how to respond. That it's like it, again, it's just like probably you, Mike, with with people where you work or or friends at home that um, that you see how an issue, uh, uh, whether they're struggling with with some problem or there's just something that that's so. Somebody said something, one of the other workers at your workplace, just the same as another missionary of that same, whichever Christian organization it is, somebody makes some comment, and it wasn't really very nice, but, oh, it sticks in you, and it's all you can think about, and you you just want to go chew them out and tell them what for, and and it... It incredibly handicaps missions. That's one of the biggest issues they have is getting along with each other. But that's like a family. I mean, isn't it a family that you have the hardest job loving sometimes? And or it's our job to all kind of knock each other's corners off to. And it's, I think God uses the people that he's placed in our lives to help perfect us into his image. If you can have compassion with your with your brother who drives you crazy and man oh man the things you'd like to do it, if if you can get along with your brother who you grow up with then it's probably a whole lot more it's definitely highly probable that as well when in the workplace somebody who has that same personality as your brother you'll be able to get along with them because you had to learn how to work with that personality that was so different than your own. And it's the same thing on the field. It's the same thing on the mission field, that getting along with each other. One person has this marvelous idea how God is going to be so honored this way, and the other, another colleague, they work together and they say, no, no, no. This way is good, but it causes so much conflict within the mission organization that the whole purpose of being there gets gets disrupted. And then the enemy's happy because he's, you know, then they aren't effective for Christ, how they, how they long to be and how they pray to be. Um, one, one good example. But fortunately, the nonprofit group Teach Beyond has people like Lauren willing and able to go and help people out. So you can find out more information at the website teachbeyond.org. That's teachbeyond.org, which I'll link up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. If and only if God's put it on your heart to consider supporting Lauren, here's how to do so. Just go to the website page, teachbeyond.org slash support slash rl that's teachbeyond.org slash support slash rl when we return lauren will you tell us how you got involved in the teach beyond outreach in the first place looking forward to hearing that next on difference makers Welcome back to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and my very special guest will call by an alias today. So, Lauren, thank you for joining us and educating us about your nonprofit group, Teach Beyond. Their website is teachbeyond.org, which I'll link to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. And I'd like to get more details about Teach Beyond. However, I want to find out more about 
you yourself, Lauren. So can you turn back the clock and tell us where you grew up in the first place? Oh, well, thank you, Mike. That's a good question. Um, Mike, I was born right here in in the Pacific Northwest, right here in Oregon. Um, And man, lest anyone think that the reason I'm leaving the States is because I don't like it here. Ah, they're so wrong. That that would be such a fallacy. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's Oregon is such a good place to be born and to live. Um, but from the age of thirteen, Mike, I wanted to go international. When I was thirteen years old, I wanted to um, not because of in any way disliking it here, but just I was so curious. How do other people live life? How do other people do life? How do they celebrate births or marriages or, or end of life? How, and it, and I, after living on four continents and in nine countries, I want to tell you, Mike, that they do life very differently. Huge night and day differences. And I hear some people say sometimes, oh, we're all the same. And I'm like, well, yeah, most of us have the two arms and most have two legs and some of us have brains, but sorry, no, but, um, (laughs) but, um, but how people celebrate life and the things that, that hurt are so different from country to country, but, oh, I loved it. So, so enjoyed it. And so after I, Got an undergrad degree, my first four years in psychology. Then I went internationally with another Christian group called Youth with a Mission, a YWAM for short. Oh, had a blast, boy, was that great. Lived in country number one, country number two, doing ministry. Oh, so enjoyed it, but brought back to the States. Lived here in Oregon again for a little while. Then got another degree in, I've got a master's degree in teaching English, speakers of other languages, and I was off, lived, um, had, had two children internationally, and was a, was a parent, was a, um, homemaker, did, um, all kinds of, of tutoring, all kinds of support work, taught English in the school, Lots of activities, lots of ministries, lots of reaching out to to support people around me, but always also working to how could I support the missionaries? We were there with a paid job. You know, we were there with, with a good, solid pay package. And how about all the missionaries who were, so many of them are barely making ends meet. And so we did all I could to, um, and so it, um, I've lived internationally for the last 25 plus years. Since I graduated from college, I've lived international and loved it, loved it, loved it. Nothing, nothing against the United States, just being international, Mike, it gets in your bones. And it, so thankful, just wouldn't trade it for the world. And so I don't have any money, <laughs> but, but what rich experiences, what rich stories boy i've got a treasure treasure trove of of, you know stories that i i could tell and um but i was living um abroad i was um the high school counselor in charge of all the secondary school and as helping all of the international kids learn about what educational systems what college systems what university systems were like in different countries around the world, and helping them choose their careers, choose their vocations, and help them prepare their path. A lot of parents don't know how to help their kids seek that path forward, and that was part of my job. Loved it. Really enjoyed it. Boy, teenagers are a blast. You know, yeah, they have a lot of issues, but, but oh, are they fun to work with. And so, but then my mother... My dear sweet mama, she she had got Alzheimer's already, and then it was starting to get worse. And so the Lord made it clear it was time to quit my job in that country, came back here to the Pacific Northwest, and 
lived out life with my mom, and um, she's passed away now. She's in heaven, having she's in heaven, having a great time. I know, and I'm so thankful that I will get to see her again. So thankful that she's up there just waiting for me. But Alzheimer's, man, I don't know if you know anybody, Mike, or if you're aware of someone who's gone who's gone through um, Alzheimer's or, or dementia. But my mother was completely healthy otherwise, and so it was only the dementia that brought around her death. And, oh, what an ugly, gruesome, awful disease. <sighs> watching her watching her decline, watching her, her diminish and, and, and become just a shadow. But also... What after living internationally so many years and seeing her every summer and spending spending every summer with my parents, with our kids and and having a great time together, but that to live out life day in day out to walk with her through the the end of her life through that gross disgusting journey, but what a blessing, what a gift from God that that I could be a part of her life. And I could help her out in that way. And so, on one side of the coin, awful. But on the other side of the coin, what a blessing. I'm so thankful. So thankful for that. But since coming back to the States just a handful of years ago, um, I, um, okay, what's next? What's next? What's what's the Lord going to have next? And is it time for me, after all these years, to settle in the States? But like I told you earlier, it gets being international gets in your bones. It's just, and I, I, sh, I didn't want to, but whatever God wanted, whatever was the right thing for me, because I belong to him. I'm a Christian, and I belong to him. And what he wants me to be doing is what I will be doing, nothing else. And, um, but, so what? Uh, I prayed and I waited, but what I know, there are so many verses. You can't you can't base a theology on one verse, but um, there are so many verses that talk about if I wait on Him and follow the Lord, then He will lead and direct my paths. I mean, Proverbs three five and six: Trust in the Lord with all your heart; lean not on your own understanding; in all your ways. <laughs> Acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Sorry, Mike. I'm, you can hear me choking up a little bit. Well, don't and apologize at all, Lauren. It's it's so true. I've seen it lived out. I'm old enough. <laughs> I've been around long enough <clears throat> that I have waited. I have sought him, and he has led. He has made it so clear what I'm supposed to do next. And so, gosh, that waiting is usually about three times longer than I wanted it to be. You know, I would have been glad to wait five minutes, you know, (laughs) isn't that long (laughs) enough? But um, no. He, as long as I waited, he made it clear when the time was right. He made it clear, and he has directed my path. So, came back, took care of my mom. She passed away. I was born with handicapped knees. I have a congenital knee dysfunction. So wheelchairs, I owned two different pairs of crutches for different kinds of pain. Ten surgeries later, so it was time. Time to have both knees replaced. And, ugh, painful, painful, painful. But waiting and waiting. Waiting for God's timing, waiting for God's direction. So then December of just this last year, just nine months ago, it's been that long. So end of December in 2022, I went to a mission conference just to learn more about what was happening in the world of missions. And um, and it was in that process of l- l- working to learn what was happening in the world that I felt it, w- it was clear. The Lord, so heavy on my heart. The, the Lord Lord led me, it's time to pursue missions. It's time for me 
Lauren to to um, pursue missions and and oh, I was so pleased. I get to go international again. I love it in Oregon. I love my friends and my family, but you know, I'm I'm single. I'm I'm my kids are all on their own doing their own thing. I'm in a, a maybe a bit unique opportunity that I'm free. I can go. And he has made it clear. The Lord has made it clear to me, time to get going. So after a lot of looking into um, quite a few different mission organizations, um, Teach Beyond is the one that seems the right for me, right one for me. And um, so it, um, I'm not going to be going into the world of education, although that's what Teach Beyond does primarily. I'm going to be in charge of, of member care. I'm in charge of taking care of Teach Beyond's personnel, local and foreign, helping make sure they don't have issues that are encumbering them, making sure that there's not emotional struggles that are overwhelming them, um, helping them to do to be the best they can be. I mean, that's the Lord's job, but, and I'm helping out, <laughs> to, to help them be the most efficacious, to be the most effective day by day in in the the reason that the Lord has led them onto the mission field. Lauren, you mentioned that you were content when God put it on your heart to move home to the Pacific hmm. Northwest hmm. to spend time with your mom in her Alzheimer's state. So, how long did you get to spend with her before she graduated into glory? <laughs> it was a year and a half, a year and a half of, of day-to-day life. And so for, for about a year, she still knew me. But then the last six months, she didn't know me. First, I was just that nice lady that came to visit her sometimes. But then after a while, she couldn't even acknowledge that I was there. She couldn't even register. Because she was so, I mentioned before maybe, Mike, she was so healthy physically that her demise was only brought about because of the Alzheimer's destroying the nerve endings in her brain. And so it's just, you know, here goes this section of the brain and she can't talk anymore. Here goes this section of the brain and she doesn't recognize anymore here goes more of the brain and and she um she she couldn't sit up anymore she couldn't walk she and it was just it was it was a difficult thing my the woman who was my mother was gone and so the my mother wasn't there anymore but what what i knew was that I was still there. I I still am who I am. I am still Lauren. And um, who my mother doesn't know me, but I know my mother. And and there's this woman, and I will take care of her until she dies. I will take care of her until she passes away because that's who I am. And it's about integrity. It's about um, being the person that God made me to be. So we we walked that out together, my mom and I. It seems to be one of the crueler fates to have on this earth, dementia, Alzheimer's, losing who you are. And it must have been more frustrating for you because physically she seemed okay. Mm, yes. Yeah. So true. It. Um, well, at first she was fine. She was healthy. She used to walk um, regularly. So careful with her diet. Very healthy. And, um, But yeah, for her to not know me, and I was, I was her main person. For her to not recognize me, it, um, yeah, it, eh, it was so hard to go back again and again. She was she was living in a care facility, and so, but to to get up to go back and to spend time with her just like every other day when she didn't know me, when she didn't really want me there. So you know, I'd help out how I could, and then go get a little cup of coffee and come back and maybe that time she did want me there and so it's no it's, it's my heart goes out to anybody who's who's caring for 
for a loved one, my to anyone who's helping somebody who's who's in in having dementia, struggling with Alzheimer's. Gosh, what a what a and there's no there's hardly any encouragement. There's hardly there's not much support at all. It was a big there was a hospice group who did step in and um they were they were sure supportive. They were real helpful and and I'm very thankful to them, but Mike, if there's anybody out there listening today who who maybe is is working to take care of someone with well, Alzheimer's or dementia, I would so encourage that person to make sure they take time with God, to make sure that they, you've got to be filling up your tank. You have got to be filling up yourself with God, because otherwise, how are you going to have anything left to give? It's so emotionally draining. It's so kind of almost destructive to your emotion that how are you going to give how are you going to have anything to give how is how are you going to have any way to keep loving to keep having kindness to keep having gentleness for this other person unless you get filled up again and i just i'd come back home in the evening and it just i would my bible and and praying and crying and praying and journaling and crying and praying and god would fill me up and god would help me be ready and so I could handle one more day, get up the next morning, quick little prayer, and off I'd be driving again. And Lord, help me handle one more day. And then, oh, grueling, grueling, exhausting. But again, what a blessing. What a gift that I was able to help my mom in this way. Well, and I want to commend you for your love for your mom and your obedience to God. That must have been a real rough season. So I pray that beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've got a peace that passes us all understanding. Know that your mom is in heaven right now, and she's in perfect state. She's no longer the woman riddled by Alzheimer's who didn't recognize your existence. And allow yourself to heal and be comforted knowing this as you move forward. We're speaking with Lauren from Teach Beyond. If you'd like to help support Lauren in her endeavors, just go to the website teachbeyond.org slash support slash RL. That's teachbeyond.org slash support slash RL. More next on Demers Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee. And from the organization Teach Beyond, we have a friend we're going to refer to as Lauren for the integrity of her position working in missions and for her safety as well. So, Lauren, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us to not only teach us about Teach Beyond, but also share your story and how you got into what you're doing. So you had mentioned that you loved, despite the fact that you grew up as a Northwestern girl, you absolutely loved living in nine other different countries and doing all of these other different jobs over the years before God called you back to the Pacific Northwest to care for your mom before she passed away. So at this stage of the game, you'd mentioned you're single, your kids are all adults and moved up and on. Therefore, you don't really have any strings attaching you to the Pacific Northwest anymore. So God has put it on your heart to head back out into the field, in this case with Teach Beyond. So are there certain fallacies that American society has about the stage of life where you get to 65 and you've had your little picket fence and 2.3 kids in the minivan before you moved down to the sedan and... <laughs> you hit retirement age, you, you cash in your chips, and hopefully if you play the game of life correctly, you have a little money coming in so you're not broke or having to work multiple jobs past that. What do we think about these myths 
<laughs> and what what do you think that we ought to be thinking of instead? Well, number one, I'm not 65 yet, so we we got to get rid of that fallacy right now. That um, that several years before, I'm I'm not that old yet, but it's being here in the states now for these last few years, you know. And you heard me talk about what's coming next, and it's. Kind of, but at this, you know, you're at the end of your 50s, beginning of your 60s. What's next? And and here I am embarking on a a third career, um, starting a new career at this stage of the game. And but but to my great excitement, that is what's happening. And um, so many of my friends, so many of my colleagues are are looking at retirement, like you mentioned are looking at slowing down it seems kind of like they're just you know they've got a, a recliner they're they're making their their butt you know getting just comfy in the recliner and and here's the coffee mug and here's the water thermos and i'm like good gracious i want to go and i want to do and i want to make a difference i um i'm not there's all kinds of things that I don't know, and I'm and I'm not going to learn. Ask me about my where my computer is right now and all the issues I have with it when I get back home. It's the but there's some things that I'm not I I don't need to learn that because I have I have friends who will help me with it. But there's things that the Lord has built in me and the things that the Lord has put in me. And for how many days I have left in life. We've just talked about my mom and and about loved ones who who are on their final days. So none of us knows how many days we have left. But gosh, for as many days as I have, as the Lord gives me, I want to make every single day count. Not count towards money acquisition. That's important. It's nice to have money. Not towards having the most beautiful flowers, although I'm pretty pleased when my flowers in my yard look nice. But since I believe that being a Christian is the most important thing, since I believe that my commitment to God and my life lived for Him are the most important thing there is, that's what I want to make my life count for. I'm tearing up again, Mike. Sorry, but it's it's so important to me. It's so, however, whatever I can do that has the most impact for the Lord, for His honor, for His glory. The Augsburg Confession talks about to know God and to make Him known, and and I am so thankful for this path that's helped me to know the Lord better. And I am so thankful that no matter where you live, you know, whether it's the smallest little town in the, in our area or whether it's Portland itself, downtown, where we live is where we're supposed to make an impact. And, you know, for each one of us, if you, if you, if we're a believer, then it's, it's a different picture for each one of us. But we need to make a difference. We need to, However, God's equipped me is much different than how God's equipped you, Mike, here on this incredible radio station. But how God has equipped me and how he's prepared me, I can see how he's using everything in my life from from beginning until now. I can see how he's used every step, every incident, every kerfluffle, every problem. I can see how he's used them. To build in me to today, going forward, to use all those things to turn them into tools and resources in my toolbox to um, make a difference. That that each person matters. That what they're going through, that struggle, the hurt, the pain, it matters. But my desire is to, the Lord's led me to, to go international. And the Lord has led me to to see, to know, 
to hear people who aren't being heard otherwise. There's and I missionaries who who are out there slogging away, feeling like it doesn't make any difference in any way. I can let them know that I hear and that what they are doing day by day, month by month, year by year, that that it matters. And and I, I can encourage them, you know, stay on the field. What you're doing counts. It makes a difference for the kingdom of God. However the Lord uses me, however he makes a difference, however he helps each individual through me, that, that then it's not just Lauren having a good day. It's it's little it's little spider webs, little spidey webs <laughs> going out to all of those other people. And so that's my goal. That's my dream. That's what I want to have happen. So through Teach Beyond, Lauren, you're going to be offering workers on the mission field hope, support, encouragement. You're just going to be an ear for them to be able to seek counsel from and experience and encouragement, I would think, especially. So are there certain aspects that people are just built with? a God-given innate ability that makes them better candidates for the mission field than others. You mentioned that it was put on your heart at the young age of 13 Mm. that you wanted to spend time Mm. far, far away. Was that the norm for your upbringing? (laughs) Did you have any missionary heroes that you're related to or that you might have heard about or read about or listened to at a speaking engagement that planted that seed in your heart or was just completely a god thing out of the blue for a 13-year-old Oregon girl. I think it was completely a god thing out of the blue for some little small town Oregon girl. God popped it in there cuz it was not um we I grew up in a great church but we didn't have missionary speakers especially. We didn't have any of that kind of thing. I think it was a god thing. So tell us how you came to know the Lord in the first place, Lauren. Was yours a church-going, <laughs> Bible-believing family? Yeah. Yes, church was a regular part of our family. Every week, I have the memory of sitting on my mother's lap. It was She told me I was three years old. We were singing, Jesus Loves Me. And it sounds almost idyllic. I mean, I wouldn't even believe that it was true. It sounds too sweet and innocent, except my mom told me, so okay, I believe her. But um, we were singing Jesus Loves Me, and then she asked if I wanted to be Jesus' girl. And I said yes. And so we we prayed the simple prayer of I wanted to be his girl. I asked him into my heart. I asked him to forgive me from all my sins, three-year-old level. And um, and But I'd completely forgotten. I had, I gave my, um, again at our church, there was a, a the youth group had a thing happening, and um, so at 12 years old, again, I and I thought, oh, I'm giving my life to God. And I came home and told my parents, and Mom said, oh, no, you didn't. It was You were three. This happened. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. But so three years old, 12 years old, but, um, and Mike, you also asked the question, is there something different about missionaries that they're willing to go and they're willing to leave behind family and friends and loved ones in this wherever their home country is to go abroad. And um, I don't think there's anything different about them as people, about us as people, except that they're, um, they have that relationship with God and they, they, they have the relationship where they know that they know. So it's not just, oh, this sounds fun to go live in Thailand and be a missionary and, you know, live life on the beach. It's, it's, no, it's in your gut. It's in your heart. It's a calling that you know that you know. There's no way getting around it. It's not just a, this sounds like a fun vacation for a year or two. No, it's, it's not, it's not just a, a God mission vacation. It's, it's hard, hard work. And it's, um, and it, one of the hardest things, this is a little divergence from your the question you asked, but one of the hardest things about being a missionary is when you go, you don't know anyone there longer than one month. 
you know, here I have people that I've known since childhood. Here I have, you know, people, you know, we've been going to the same church now for quite a few years, Mike, you and your family, and you have people, relationships, that, that long-term relationships that get built up and that are encouragement and support around you. Missionaries, when they go international, they don't know anyone except those immediate members in that family, and then everybody else is new. And and so you're still trying to put on the the happy face all the time, and you're still trying to have it all together and not fall apart and do all the things that would be required of a, a new location. And that's that's one of the things that if you think about some missionaries, Mike, you could pray for them that they will be able to create long-term relationships on the field that they can feel known and loved and valued for who they are. So, Lauren, thanks so much for having the guts to be obedient to God, not only to leave your comfort zone to come home to care for your mom in her final days on this earth, but also to head back out onto the mission field and support these workers. So if there was one major objective that God's put on your heart that you need to do for these workers, what would be the priority for you? Well, you've already heard me speak passionately about making a difference. I want to be used by the Lord to make a difference wherever I am today. So that's my that's my biggie. But then as well for 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 all of the people that I visit and interact with and have talks or Zoom calls with that that they are seen, that they are heard, that they are valued for who they are. That no matter what they're struggling with, that doesn't make them any less of a person. They are no less valuable or loved by God because they're struggling with this issue or that. But that they, who they are matters and and who who the plans God has for them, how they how He wants to use them, the the difference they could be making in in the lives of those around them is is tremendous, and I want them to be able to catch that vision. So, Lauren of Teach Beyond, as we land the plane here, so to speak, I want to ask you for a closing statement. One for the regular people. How could we best support these workers in the field? And two, what message do you have to give to these missionaries? You've probably heard this before, Mike, but in this relatively easy, a whole lot smoother, a whole lot more structured world of of Oregon and the Pacific Northwest, prayer matters. There's a whole lot of comfort that we can put around us so that we don't quite need as perceived need of needing prayer and not realizing how much other people are just trying to put a good face on things. But internationally, especially when you go on the mission field, it's prayer makes it or breaks it. Prayer is the dividing line right there. Who has, who has people praying for them? It's, again, back to that what I talked about, what you talked about, Mike. Satan is pulling out the forces. Think, think about how much trouble there is just here, here in the Willamette Valley, how rough things are right here. The more you're, you're on the front edge, the more you're um, aggressively going for areas that, that belong to the enemy right here in, in the Northwest, the more the enemy wants pulls out the big guns and the more the, the Satan wants to take us out. And so when there's a missionary anywhere working on, on right on the edge, writing to take back for Christ what the land that's been conquered by, by Satan, that's when they need prayer. They need our, they need our, our support right there standing right behind them helping them get through one more hour, one more meeting, one more day. There's a missionary tuning in right now. What do you want to tell him or her? Gosh, what you're doing matters. 
every day matters. You are seen. You are known. Even if, even if no one else knows how hard it is and how, how lonely or how it feels like you've given your life to this project. You've given your life to this effort. You've given your life to this group of people. And no one's seeing and no one's knowing and no one's knows how gut-wrenching it's been. Gosh, does the Lord know? The Lord knows and the Lord sees. The Lord sees you and it will make a difference. It will make a difference for eternity. There needs to be quality, quality God-committed, God-honoring people on every inch of the earth, every place that there are people. There needs there needs to be workers who are serving him. Lauren, thanks so much again for sharing your story, for your obedience to the Lord and your willingness to go out and follow and fight. And you can find out more about her nonprofit ministry at the website teachbeyond.org, which I'll link up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. That's teachbeyond.org. So thank you so much again, Lauren. Mike, thank you so much for inviting me and allowing this opportunity to share with you what I'm sure excited about. Thank you. If you'd like to consider supporting Lauren in her missions work financially, just go to the website teachbeyond.org slash support slash RL. That's teachbeyond.org slash support slash RL, which I'll leave on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.